Hello and welcome to my podcast, The Power of Audio, Science and AI, supported by Stockholm Music City. I am Jasmine Moradi, your host, and in each episode, I'll take you backstage to meet with some of the top audio, science and AI personalities in the world. I will interview entrepreneurs, authors, business experts and thought leaders to learn how and why they're so passionate and determined about what they do. I will give you the knowledge and the insight your business needs to succeed with your audio branding. Welcome to the Best Audio Brands Ranking 2020, giving you insights into which brands successfully used audio to build their sonic brand recognition over the course of the last year. My guest today is my new friend Björn Tollefsson. We are fellow Sonic branding enthusiasts with a big passion for research. Björn is a consumer behaviorist with a background in sound engineering and psychology. He's from Iceland and a graduate of Goldsmith University of London. In his thesis, he examines the connection between brand love and music preference when music is associated with a certain brand. He has worked as a researcher and strategist at IV with the one and only Steve Keller. Today, he's team lead at the German award-winning sound brand agency, AMP. His superpower is that he can boogie on a tumba like there is no tomorrow. In this episode, Björn and I are going to discuss AMP's report, Best Audio Brands 2020 Rankings, Their Findings and Breaks Practice. With that, Björn, I welcome you and thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited about learning about your findings. Where are you? Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure is mine. Um, I'm in Munich, trying to stay positive and, you know, test negative. Tell us about AMP and how you nailed that role and maybe mention one of your case studies. Yes, um, well, so I was living in London, working for Mood Media, who is a company that focuses on music in stores, as, a, as well as sometimes uh, collaborating with Steve. But of, of course, with him being in the States, there was always um, a little tricky with that. And he was um, transitioning to Pandora, where he is now the you know, lead sonic alchemist. And... I, I was, I needed a break from London. You know, I love London, but sometimes you just need a little break. So I simply emailed the CEO and within 24 hours, I had a Zoom interview. And yeah, basically the rest is history. Um, it's, it's funny because I guess there are not that many of us that, you know, have really so, uh, studied Sonic branding so I was fortunate enough that um, they, he saw a uh, use for me and he was just starting to do the first best audio brands. They were just starting to work on it. Mm. So I was brought in straight away to you know, assist with that and kind of put a little bit more academic um, theory into it. So we could use um, what I had learned in my uh, masters and in my previous research to bolster the ranking. 
because anyone can do a ranking if it's just like I like this based upon how I feel. But if you wanna look at it in a scientific way, you ideally want to have something behind it. And um, AMP, uh, we are um, a leading sonic banding agency around the world. We have been fortunate enough to work with clients all over the world. Um, and a lot of it is um, fascinating because we are fortunate to work with brands that have a lot of touch points and are working in um, different cultures. And the way AMP works and our strategy when it comes to sonic branding is, you know, best suited for these kind of brands because we have culture adaptability and flexibility of touch points built into everything when it comes to touch the sonic branding. So, of course, um, our sonic branding methods will benefit a small local brand, no doubt about it. But what we offer that a lot of other branding agencies, Sonic branding agencies don't offer is this cultural flexibility um, and three holistic uh, view of Sonic branding. And, and what is your role? I mean, I'm just going to go back to what you said. Uh, I believe also like it's really challenging to uh, like find a, a place of what is it exactly we do. Uh, but I think with the explosion of audio branding, then the need of the measurement and the research, it, mm -hmm. it's going to be needed. And there probably is going to be more clear of what our role is in it. What, what is exactly your role then? So if you guys do the sonic identity for the brands, do you help them to, to, to do some testing to, to see with like potential customers, where is their perception? Yes, so that, that is one of my many roles, but one of the most important ones is, of course, um, making sure that we are a creative company, but we need to have something behind our decisions. So we test everything. We partner with uh, Veritonic, which is um, audio effectiveness platform based upon AI and real people. So no matter what, we always put it into Veritonic to make sure that if there are some minor changes, we are going in the right direction and also to further bolster our case, why we, we think this creative work is the correct one compared to another creative work. Yeah. And, and we, we have seen that um, often when working with these companies, like previously testing audio has been overlooked, yeah. but now with the sonic explosion or sonic boom, um, people are realizing that audio is important and testing audio is really important. Well, it goes with you're investing money in, in like everything else individual, then you want to see if you get a, a return of investment and you want to make sure that you get it right. Like you, you get the brand. I mean, a lot of companies that have the brand identity, but for a long time they've been communicating it and then it becomes the brand image but sometimes and then on if you later on are going to put on the the audio the thing is they go 
according to the brand identity, but testing I've done is that sometimes the brand image and the brand identity don't really match. And therefore, if you only go for the brand identity and don't test it with the uh, customers, then it can be a mismatch there. So it's important to, to try out and figure out wh where is the perfect yeah. fit. But I think you can also use audio to shape perception. So you said that it doesn't fit. What about if you are you have already established the visual identity? You then put in a sonic identity, you create that. And when you do a sonic identity, it's not like you do it out of thin air. You kind of do a distillation of the visual identity, the brand personality, and all those things. And by doing that correctly, and then maybe look where you want to be in five years. Number 10. Nintendo's Sonic Identity builds on the sounds we all love from their classic video games. The new Nintendo Switch Sonic logo fits the product, and they use it consistently on all digital channels. It's me, Mario! Number 9. Disney uses their Sonic signature at the beginning of most of their movies and is very recognizable. Number 8. Coca-Cola, known for their Sonic logo at the end of many of their advertising spots. Tell us about it, the motivation, the goal, and why this ranking is so important and relevant for the industry. Yes, um, so we wanted to create the first performance index of its kind and look to establish like an object, ob objective and comprehensive system evaluate, to evaluate sound, voice and music. Because um, other companies had been looking at just the uh, best use of Sonic logos and whatnot, but there was no comprehensive holistic view of how brands are using audio. So, we partnered with two key players in media and brand communication. StoryClass, who provided insights on social trends in real time. And then Veritonic, which I mentioned previously, who was able to test the audio effectiveness of the sonic assets of these companies. Um, the aim was to focus attention on the important aspects that brands have to consider when tackling the challenge of establishing a you know, a holistic 360 degree sonic identity. Because um, if, if audio is employed strategically, it has the power to express brand's personality while being instantaneously recognizable across all channels. And now with more and more touch points, now we have TV, we have Instagram, we have TikTok, we have YouTube adverts, we have uh, Alexa. Brands need to successfully leverage the benefits of Sonic branding. And once, you know, one Sonic logo, as it was looked at in the, uh, in the past, is not going to fit all those different touch points. And, you know, 
the music you're using is not enough either. It has to be, you know, a holistic way of looking everything. Not saying that you shouldn't use licensed music or uh, or have a Sonic logo, but it should all be thought of together. Mm. And we wanted to um, really see who is doing this well and who is doing this, um, who can improve. And what we found from the very beginning is that all the companies can improve. Mm. Of course. But uh, at the same time, you know, brands have been, of course, audio branding has been like probably as long as the first market stalls, mm. like using uh, music to advertise is very old mm. and Therefore, brands have been doing it for a lo- very long time. But, but how come then it's been neglected, though? Um, I think there are a couple of reasons. So it de- I think it depends on the dominating advertising medium. You know, before TV and radio and there was the on the market, then audio branding was predominant you know people were shouting uh then the radio came and then again sonic branding was very important you know the, there's a good example of the mary oldsmobile the song from i think 1906 general motors used that song with altered lyrics though for you know several decades and then we get the tv and then the visual creatives take control and when that happened, then of course the sound becomes an afterthought. Mm. Why? Why? I think because <laughs> they are the visual creatives. They have <laughs> a visual idea of a story, like a commercial. They have maybe a music in mind, you know, a licensed track. But then no one thinks about ah, do we have the? Are we allowed to use that music? Yeah. Before you know it, all the budget is spent on the visuals because he had a clear vision for that. But how much is left for the music? Yeah, exactly. And And how many music out there does really fit then your visual storyline? Because music is created in silo from the visual. So it's that difficult match is not easy. Mm-hmm. Well, in film, for example, or really expensive advertising, they probably have people writing the music according to the visual. I would say that is also a huge difference. Yes, but I think um, it's important to remember when we think about Sonic uh, branding is that by all means, use licensed tracks. Mm. But think about it in a way that you use the licensed music when it is clearly beneficial to the storyline. It is integral part of the storyline. Number seven. Intel led the Sonic logo revolution in the 90s and continues to use the same melody with minor changes. Number six. McDonald's has been able to submit its Sonic signature into the minds of consumers for over a decade now. Number five, Amazon, along with Alexa, have quickly become a part of many people's daily lives. 
Hey Alexa, can you tell me? I can play music, answer questions, get the news on weather, create to-do lists, and much more. Can you talk about the analytic ranking process and your mythology behind it? How do you identify strong and weak audio performances? Yes, okay, so um, we identified five key pillars that compromise a sonic brand identity. And then of course the, the return on investment pillar or what we call audio brand efficiency because um, um, being an outsider, we can't really tell by certain if it's a return on investment, but there at least we can say that they are efficient. So these pillars cov cover different aspects of the brand management from brand relationship quality to consumer brand equity and brand experience. So customer experience is, you know, for example, we look at, are they using stock music? Are they using licensed music? Are they using custom music? And when I think of customer experience is um, without being too harsh on any brand, um, Ferrari, it's an amazing brand. It's an iconic brand. And they could so easily be iconic when it comes to sound. Like they have the engine, they, they have the red color, I've never been in a Ferrari, but I bet they have the smell. Uh, so they're using all the senses except for sound. Because what we found is that they have a big percentage of stock music in their videos, as well as, and then on the other hand, you have a lot of custom music which fit the videos perfectly. And there is this kind of separation, like why are they sometimes, you know, high quality music Sometimes they're like basically uh, crap music that any brand can use. And that gives the customer a strange um, experience, let's say, or less optimized. Then there's um, customer trust. And that's what um, time plus consistency. Uh, uh, equals, um, you know, trust. So how long have you been using your sonic assets? Uh, are people recognizing them and so on? Uh, customer belonging. And that is um, partly based on, you know, or does it, does the music that you're using fit? Are you using, you know, real musicians or if you're using stock music, you know, people realize that this is stock music. It's, there's no character, there's no emotion. But what we have seen is that some brands, you know, YouTube videos are filled with like, who made this video music, who did this? Like, tell me, tell me, tell me. And sometimes it's a way for the brands to engage with the, um, the consumer. And, and therefore, you know, create also engagement. So customer, we look at customer belonging and customer engagement. Mm. And if there is belonging within a, like you are part of uh, a community, then uh, the community is gonna engage of course with the brand. And then there's customer recognition. 
like, are you using your sonic identity if you have one on all touch points, or at least how many of your touch points? And if you don't have sonic identity, is the sound consistent? Like, let's say if it's um, uh, some company with a, a customer service line, are you getting, you know, let's say H&M. So in H&M, you would listen to hip, cool music in the store, and then you would call it customer service, and that all, would all of a sudden be, um, let's say, classical music. Like, that does not add up. Even if you don't have a sonic identity, you need to at least be consistent with the way you use music towards your customers. Because of course you want to have, you know, belonging. Mm. So, and then we look at uh, the return on investment or how efficient they are. So are they using sonic identity? How much are they using it? Because Again, like having a sonic identity does not mean that you should always use your sonic identity. Mm. There are cases where the, uh, you should be using, you know, licensed tracks. Because if it is deemed worthy of the storyline, or the, yeah, there's, there are many reasons why you don't need to use your sonic identity. But the more you use it, of course, the more efficient you are. Number four. Google. With their voice-connected smart home devices and mobile phones, they managed to reach the top four by using one element, voice, as well as by purposefully choosing licensed music for their campaign. Good morning. Today it will be partly cloudy with a high of 62. Number three, Apple. Unique product sounds and the voice of Siri, which most of us are very familiar with by now, have helped keep Apple close to the top of the chart. Hey Siri, read my schedule. You have 25 appointments at 7.15. If you explain for us from your perspective, how can brand work with their sonic DNA as it's called? And what does it really mean to work with it holistic so they understand so uh, you say Sonic DNA, and I'm flattered because AMP is the inventor, and it's even our trademark. And like Oscar Wilde says, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And now we see all the major Sonic branding agencies talk about Sonic DNA. So if I'm a brand coming to you, I want a Sonic DNA. How does that work, the process? And what different touch pointers do I have to think about? Well, when you have a sonic DNA, it's built up on riffs, harmonies, melodies, secondary melodies. And so maybe a sonic logo is just one sm small melody of a whole song. Mm. So in a, in a big campaign, you might you know, use a lot of the elements from the DNA. Uh, because it's a 30 second ad or even longer, who knows. But then in a TikTok video where you have 15 seconds, you use less of the ingredients. Mm. And then for a Sonic logo, you have three seconds. And then therefore it has to be a very even smaller part of the DNA. Okay. Yeah. But what ends up happening is you s slowly 
uh, start to connect the dots with the brand, with the elements. So depending on if you're hearing a YouTube ad that where you skip after five seconds, uh, you know, a big budget uh, commercial on TV that you end up watching on YouTube anyway, because you, it has so much buzz around it. Number two, Shell has a sonic identity containing a memorable melody, which is used in their sonic logo, as well as their music tracks. top sits MasterCard. With its holistic sonic identity woven elegantly into all audible touchpoints, from their payment sound to their sonic logo and their use in music, the brand is clearly recognizable. I love what you bring. You like streaming water clank. Put yourself beside me, come and drench me with your rain. Yeah, I'ma call out your name. I'll never complain. In manana do the dance. This I chant. Running away. And uh, tell us now about the findings, uh, the top one from 2019 and 2020, and if it's possible, also the difference between the years and the brands and how come some of them ranked high and low? What did they do better than the others? So in our first uh, Sonic branding ranking, uh, we had McDonald's at number one because they had an iconic uh, Sonic logo. They had, when they were using advertisement, the music fit, the storyline, they were doing everything in the right direction. And then we had Disney, Intel, Apple, and of course, Coca-Cola in the top five. And um, what we saw in the 2020 was um, something that I think no one, if there hadn't been for this uh, ranking, no one would have foreseen or even kind of joined the dots, is that there is a sharp drop in usage of Sonic logos. Mm. And... Uh, the reason why uh, McDonald's dropped from uh, number one to number six in 2020 is very easily uh, explained. They used to use uh, their Sonic logo in 95% of all their digital videos mm. down to uh, 55. And that's a sharp drop. And that this kind of drop in the usage of Sonic logos was across all brands that, well, not all, but majority of brands that had Sonic logos. And this again shows the importance of having a holistic Sonic identity, not just relying on one Sonic uh, touch point. Mm. Because, you know, now with the sharp increase of TikTok, like there's no time for a Sonic logo. But if you have 
maybe a little track that is based up on your Sonic logo or like leaves it in somehow, then it can be advantageous for your brand. Mm. And uh, what we found uh, when it came to 2020 is that there are, you could um, divide the top five brands into two spots or in two categories. It was MasterCard and Shell who have embraced a sonic identity that is uh, you know, consistent across all touch points. And then there's the Apple, Google and Amazon who have earned their spot um, at the top to the strength of their product sounds and uses of brand voice. They, re they rely heavily on expensive licensing tracks, leveraging pop culture, but you know, they are using it in a fitting way. They're not just licensing always to license, like it visually and uh, sonically, it makes sense. But of course, then they are way less efficient than MasterCard and Shell and therefore get, um, unfortunately, they are number three, four and five rather than MasterCard and Shell being number one and two. Mm. What does the analysis reveal in regarding to the importance of working with Sonic branding to enhance the business performance and the secret of a good Sonic identity? Well, what we can uh, see with uh, MasterCard is that um, in their interbrand ranking this year, they are a high jumper. They have grown considerably the value of their brand. And when you wonder, look at what has been happening with MasterCard in the last two years, is their big importance of uh, their CMO onto sensory marketing and especially Sonic uh, branding. Mm. They have managed to not only create a Sonic identity for all their touch point, but then also leverage it in a in very creative ways. They had a restaurant in New York, putting uh, three different uh, restaurants into one space in New York from across the world, from Zanzibar to from London and Japan. And then in that uh, space in New York, you would then hear music from the restaurants, but occasionally you would hear music that was based up on their sonic identity it was fitting to that restaurant mm -hmm. and if that isn't um, you know an interesting way of using sonic identity to market yourself you're there you have all the senses you have food you have visuals you have all of a sudden a uh, little bit of hints of marketing from uh, mastercard marketing when it comes to the music so other than that, they're also using it when you pay. You, they have um, the confirmation sound when you pay. So they have been implementing such a vast uh, and so quickly um, a vast, use, uh, vast usage of uh, Sonic touch points that it's clear that um, their MasterCard has been you know, gathering headlines because of creative ways of using Sonic identity or uh, Sonic branding. And, um, you know, that, that is something that enhances business performances. Like if you're being talked about, if you're doing 
but that is, of course MasterCard is big, but at the same time, you know, you can use music in a creative way. So you can work with, uh, if you're a small brand, why don't you work with local artists and give uh, the artists in your home, t uh, in your town, you know, ways to take your identity on a journey. You know, there's no, if you have your own sonic identity that you own, there's no limits to what you can do with it. Because in the end, you own it and you decide what adventures you want to do with it. And that's the beauty of um, sonic identity compared to visual identity, because music has just uh, more flexibility to be recognized in different uh, genres and so on. Like if you look at it back in time, when, you know, in the early 2000s, a lot of the, these corporations had like a corporate jingle and it was kind of just one track and it was dressed in different clothes. It was um, one Sonic logo that had to, was always used. And then if they used the track on, at the, then it was maybe very kind of, yeah, you could just, it wasn't authentic. It was kind of forced, especially if it was put into a new genre. But what you get with a Sonic DNA is that you have many ingredients that combine into the Sonic DNA, but when you are then using it, you don't you need to use all the ingredients. Like when you think of James Bond music, you you know you have a timeless Sonic identity that has been going for many decades now. But when Shirley Bassey has a Bond track, it's a Shirley Bassey track, mm. but you still know it's Bond. There's no doubt about it. But then you have Adele and she only uses the Bond harmony. Mm. And yet you have a Bond song and you know it's a Bond song. Mm. There's not none of the riffs or melodies in the Adele song, but you know it's uh, 100% James Bond. And that is the magic of uh, having a Sonic DNA is that you can use the different elements depending on the need. Uh, Sonic Loco can be part of, uh, is part of this, um, is using part of the DNA, but the DNA is much bigger. Therefore, you can um, often uh, companies ask like, oh, can I use hip hop music uh, in my advertisement? Am I hip hop or am I rock? And it doesn't come often across authentic. But with Asonic DNA and you work with, you know, authentic artists, you know, real artists, you can give them your uh, DNA, like the ingredients and mm -hmm. say, how about you create something out of these ingredients? But isn't music also more challenging to work with? Because it does really need, I would say, some kind of deep understanding of putting together that melody or harmony together. 
Uh, I mean, you say you're a sound engineer. It makes me feel like, oh, Lord, I don't know nothing about sound. So could that be the thing that, that music is, is, is challenging and why? I th yes, of course. Um, when creating the sonic identity, it is ideal that you, you know, talk to experts. But um, if we were talking about, you know, leveraging the sonic identity, then I think, you know, you don't have to be an expert because we all understand music to a certain extent, whether we know what chord progression is going on or, you know, what, if there's a beautiful key change, that doesn't matter to the average Joe. We know what is beautiful music or if the music is super hip and cool or if it's fitting the brand. We might not necessarily always like the music, but music makes us feel and sound makes us feel mm. because it's the quickest of our senses. We hear like we hear so much faster than we see. And therefore it also hits us the hardest. And it's so easy to use music to reach out to you know consumers in an emotional way so you can um, use music and you know it i would say that creating maybe a identity is um, best left for a specialist who can help you define your brand when it comes to sound. But in the end, what you as a brand owner uh, decide to do with it afterwards, you know, is your decision. Of course, we can give you recommendations and, and guidelines and so on, but you know your brand, you know how you can use it and where you want to take it. So we, we can guide you, of course, but having a, a sonic identity that's built upon many ingredients gives you also the room of trying new things. And what would you then say that are your best practices uh, for a brand to get on the list next year? The, the sad news is that it's not for every brand to do. Not yet, because when starting the best audio brands, we decided to start with uh, the interbrands list of top 100 brands. Mm. And we've been uh, now doing that for, this is our third year that we're working on right now. And so right now, if you're a brand, yes, you're also in the best audio brands. But what we're also doing uh, currently is we are working on uh, more, uh, the, we're working on these periodicals that are looking at um, specific um, um, sectors. So as we move on to have deep dive into different sectors, we will hopefully, well, we will um, move away from using Interbrand and, you know, be able to have a very robust understanding of what brands are doing everywhere 
when it comes to audio and then we can gather those uh, top uh, 100 brands from all these different sectors and not but you know as all good things we have to start somewhere so at, at, the, at the moment it's interbrand and can you drop any secrets hints around the best audio 2021 well maybe not a secretive hint but um, maybe a combination of uh, what we're seeing and what uh, I think the future has in store for us. Mm. I think um, what we what we are seeing is um, it's a kind of a combination of what we saw last year of the dramatic uh, decline of Sonic Logos is then the rise of uh, UX UI sounds for especially like the technology brands, they don't need a Sonic logo almost. They have the UX UI sounds. So as more and more uh, brands have UX UI sounds and interaction sounds, the, they have become more and more kind of a short, super short um, ambassador of the brand. And so these uh, UX UI sounds are becoming more and more important, which then feeds back into having a holistic uh, Sonic branding idea. So what we see with Ma uh, MasterCard is their confirmation sound is then used in their TV commercial campaigns. And it's also weaved into their music sometimes. Mm. And this is uh, a fantastic way of using a UX sound and very quickly because their sonic identity is so short that you have it while you pay, then you hear it in a different, uh, using different sounds in a commercial. And of course, uh, before you know it, you're associating it with MasterCard when you hear it and don't know what, you can't see the brand, but you hear it, just hear the brand. Because it recalls uh, memory, the more you hear it, Yes. it recalls and then you see the visual and then you you understand the the connection so what what do you see the future of sonic branding is going to be what are going to we see in five to ten years well um as we move into a more and more screenless um future we will of course as again have the ux ui sounds uh and Brands will have their own voice. You know, when you speak to Alexa right now, even though um, Amazon offers the capabilities of having your own uh, specialist voice, very few brands have taken them up on it. Mm. But as we move forward, brands will realize that why would you want to have to, you know, have a customer interacting with your brand, but then speaking to another brand. It, uh, it's easy to, to see that in the end, it would be probably a good investment for you to invest in your own voice. And you, know, you can use the same uh, voice in your hotline, Alexa scale, and with uh, technology going so fast as it is right now with voice, 
you never know. You might see uh, voice actors for radio, um, you know, unfortunately get uh, out of business, but hopefully not. There's always a little magic in the, the real human voice. And how does the future look for us, for you and me, for example? Because when more brands are going to work with their audio branding, UI, UX uh, voice, then it will be needing to do more testing the same way that user research is being done for the visual and packaging. Uh, what kind of testings can we do to help out with the brand, with brands, for the brands? I mean, uh, I think um, um, when it comes to sound, one of the strongest um, bases, of course, implicit testing, because as you get, again, like we mentioned earlier about, you know, being professional when it comes to music, not the average customer isn't, but, and then when he gets an explicit, you know, questions about music, how it makes them feel and so on. We don't always know mm. how music makes us feel, nor do we are we able to describe what we are hearing. So I think, um, you know, AI testing or like emotional testing alongside uh, implicit testing is where we will get the most robust um, uh, ideas about um, how sound in advertising is working. And what is an implicit testing for the, the ones that don't know? So uh, implicit, implicit testing is uh, for the, those who don't know a uh, way to test em emotional and bodily reactions of certain stimuli so you will have, for example, um, electrical conductors on you to uh, see if you get goosebumps and so on. In a very simple terms, it's. it's it, like does that. that exist today, or is is that? Yes, that, that, that exists, and and we are, we are currently testing that. But what is also exciting is that what we have seen is that um, with the rise of the audio boom, there are a lot of uh, very cool startups finding new ways and. Uh, to test audio because um, as, even though I mentioned implicit testing you know being the gold standard it is time consuming it is expensive at the moment so I'm very excited to see what uh, audio testing has in store for us in the near future. Now I'm going to ask you tell us three sounds that is not music that evoke positive emotions and memories uh, in, in you, and then three sounds that evokes negative. Oof, putting me on the spot here. Well, uh, the first that, uh, that comes to mind is um, probably the sound of the, um, the European golden plover, or plover. My, the, it's a bird. Um, that by an early age in Iceland, it's ingrained in our culture that when this beautiful bird finally arrives, summer is arriving shortly. Aww. So while it's, uh, you know, the, the winter in Iceland can be extremely harsh and long and dark, 
but then you hear that sound and you can't maybe see the bird because he's loud and but you you feel this hope you're like shit no excuse my language oh my god summer is coming 24 hour sunlight <laughs> i feel so much power i don't need to sleep anymore <laughs> and well then the another one is uh, reminds me of my childhood is the at 12:20 in iceland on the national radio the news start and it's always 12:20 because back in the day uh, the break would start at 12 for the workers and they would need 20 minutes to get home or maybe also eat and then they would listen to the news uh, have sleeping and there's this uh, kind of a bell clock noise that has been used since the beginning of the Icelandic national radio signaling now it's news time and for me it's just me my grandma playing cards and then all of a sudden let's listen to the news and before I knew it I became a newsaholic I'm obsessed with knowing what's going on and I guess I can thank my grandmother for that Oh, you said three, yeah. I love hearing the children uh, playing uh, or practicing music, but so so within a mu not alone. Like I do not want to listen to a kid learn to play the violin on its own. <laughs> what I mean, it's uh, being in when you're in a music school and there are, you know, rooms after rooms after rooms. Yes. And you hear this kind of like cacophonia of kids, different, uh, you know, some of them are really good, some of them are brand new. And in this cacophonia, there's just something that is like magical. It's like they're all on a musical journey, which I find beautiful and gives me, you know, yeah, hope for the future that music is always gonna be a big part of our cultures and the negatives Oof. i do not like the alarm never been a fan which alarm waking up alarm waking up alarm even so much that uh, i'm a i'm a i'm a night owl never been a morning bird so so much that my mom had to she was working part-time and the teachers at my kindergarten asked her if she could switch her routine from working in the morning and taking me on uh, you know role in the park because what i apparently did is that my mom would wake me up i did not want to she would take me to the kindergarten and then i would just find a place to sleep <laughs> so, they couldn't teach me much uh, at the kindergarten until my mom changed her work schedule so she would have me in the morning and uh, <laughs> go to work in the afternoon when I was finally awake. And yeah, another one is the sound of nails on a slippy slide. Not like not a slide as we have in kindergartens. Mm. because it's one of the earliest memories of 
kind of peer pressure and wanting to fit in. It's interesting, like, I remember I, in my memory, it is vivid that I'm looking at, we're like group of kids in front of the sleepy, uh, on the slide. And one of them is uh, using his nails to make a sound. And I didn't uh, think it was that horrible sound. And then we were like, somehow we're all doing it and you, you want to fit in. And then I did it and then it hurt my nails. And since then, I not only find it uncomfortable for the ears, but I immediately just hurt my like fingers a little bit. I'm like, oh, you remember the sensation. Yes, uh, I remember the sensation. And I guess uh, later in life, a valuable lesson that if I hear that sound, it reminds me of that you don't always need to fit in to be your true organ, uh, true self. Yeah. And uh, if the audiences want to learn more about AMP and get access uh, to the report, where can they do that? Well, uh, to get the report, they can go on bestaudiobrands.com. And to learn more about AMP, uh, I highly recommend going on ampsoundbranding.com or follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn, where we have a lot of more knowledge about sonic branding and interesting insights, both from our upcoming and, and old ranking reports. Thank you very much, Bjorn. It's been so Thank interesting and, and a learning journey to, to hear how you guys work. Thank you for joining. Well, that's all for today's episode of The Power of Audio, Science and AI. I'm Jasmine Moradi, your host, and thank you very much for listening. If you like this podcast and want to follow my journey towards discovering the secrets behind the power of audio, science and AI, then make sure to never miss an episode by subscribing on my website, jasminemoradi.com, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes and Google Play. I'm working towards increasing the value of music so that artists receive the fair share of the economic value they create in our society. So make sure to spread the words to fellow brand leaders and business network through your social media. This episode is supported by Stockholm Music City, recorded in the pod booth at the co-working space The Park in Stockholm, and music by Skirt.